Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Alright guys, so welcome back. This is Matt Garland, NMLS number 58700, better known as MG the Mortgage Guy. We are live, we are blessed, thank God for another day. So look, I got a special guest with me right now. First of all, I just got back from Toronto, Canada. I flew in. I changed my flight. I was supposed to go to New York first, but I wound up staying an extra day. (laughs) And I flew straight from Toronto in 25-degree weather to Hotlanta (laughs) 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 in 90-degree weather. I'm not prepared for this. And I had to come and sit down with Terrica Lynn Smith, a.k.a. the female real estate guru. How are you, Terrica? Man, I'm excited. Like, I'm like, it's crazy that we sitting right here. Like, I can't even believe it. Like, I'm excited. It's like a kid at Christmas right now. Like, shit, that's how I right feel. Now. I'm yeah. sitting with a, a, like a real live goat <laughs> in, in real life, y'all. So, look, let me tell y'all who is Terrica Lynn Smith, right? She's a real estate investor for 18 years, 500 plus real estate holdings, developed four communities, over 800 million in real estate transactions. You have a street sign named after your son, Tyreek. Yeah. yeah. You've been invited to the White House. Yep. 20 under 41 now. Yes. Trained thousands of investors. Yes. You currently have an eight-figure real estate portfolio. Yes. And that portfolio is bringing in $250,000 a month passively. Yes. Amongst other real estate plays that you're doing. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are sitting with a real life goat <laughs> right now. I hope y'all appreciate who we have here right now. Tarika, please introduce yourself. I know I gave you yeah. like the the bullet points, but mm-hmm. in your voice, tell the people who yeah. you are. No, so um you may hear that little southern accent. We love that baby. You, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we love <Yeah>. that baby. <laughs> uh, but for those who don't know, I am Tarika Lynn Smith. I'm a real estate developer and real estate coach. Um I am, you know, one of the youngest African-American female real estate developers in the state of Louisiana to develop a mixed-use community, which is huge for us um, because it's not always easy pioneering, um, you know, new projects that people are not used to. Mm -hmm. And so um, not only did we pioneer it, we did it in um, a predominantly African-American community that has not received investment dollars in decades. And so, you know, property, we increased the property values. We increased the, um, the lifestyle, the way of living there. um, And we're currently working on other um, key components. What we believe is important in communities such as, healthcare and groceries and different things like that. But um, I didn't always start there, 
right? Like a lot of people look at all of the accolades and all the different things I have going on. Um, I literally, you know, built this over the course of the 18, 19 years I've been doing real estate now. Okay. Um, I started with nothing. Um, I was, you know, um, I spent most of my life um, in foster care. I ended up as a teenage mom, homeless, you know, um, dealing with sexual abuse, being sold to my mother's drug dealer, um, to being able to find out who Tarika Lynn Smith was. So I, I had a journey up until, you know, um, the point of me becoming Tarika Lynn Smith. It wasn't just like, you know, I had a mother or a father who gave me a silver spoon or a gold spoon or even a plastic spoon. <laughs> in that matter. You know what I'm saying? I had to go and find my own utensils in this um, thing we call life. And um, I think, you know, by grit, you know, um, gratitude and resiliency and, you know, um, for me being intentional and tenacious, it got me to the place where I'm at right now. You said a whole lot just now. That was a lot. It was a lot to unpack. Yeah. In there. Okay. <laughs> right. So I, I want to start cause you, you, you mentioned a lot of trauma, mm -hmm. right? Recently someone asked me like, you know, what's the best way to get to know you or something along those lines. And I said, to get to really know me, you got to understand my pain. You got to understand yeah. my trauma. Yeah. Because that's what's really made me who I am today. Yeah. Like, my family is drug dealers or drug mm -hmm. users. Mm -hmm. Right? My mother's been on drugs my whole life. I don't have yeah. a relationship with her today. That's part of my, my pain, my yeah. trauma. But it's made me the man that I am today. Right. right? And, you know, you said you was sold to your mother's drug dealer. Mm -hmm. um, when you was on the Women's Summit... I mean, mm -hmm. you told the whole story of, like, you were sexually abused at, yeah. I think, five years old, yeah. things of that nature, you know, homeless, yeah. teenage mom. I mean, that's a lot of pain. It is. A lot it of is. pain, a lot of trauma. How yeah. has that, you know, that pain, that trauma shaped the woman that we see today? Right. So I will start here, right? Like, the woman that's shaped here today is, is um, a miracle, right? Like, I'm not supposed to be this person, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I feel that same way too yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so I think for me, I did not know who I was. So I had identity issues. And a lot of the times, you know, people just say, you got to find who you are. You got to find who you are. Well, how can you find who you are when you don't know what to identify? Mm -hmm. You have nothing to identify with and or you don't know what to identify. And so for me, I had to literally build who I wanted myself to be like, that makes sense. Like yeah. I didn't have a role model in my life to say, I look up to this person and I want to be this person. You had to be that person. You had, to, had to act to, as that person that's right. that you wanted to be. That's right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, you know, there was somebody coaching me along or mentoring me. Right. Like everybody be like, so who was your greatest mentor? Well, homelessness. Mm. <laughs> it taught me life <laughs> it taught me. I didn't want to be here. You know, it taught me um, that, you know, this is something if I don't change, I'm going to be here forever. And that was a great life lesson for me to be able to say homelessness was my mentor. And so I think people that go through pain, I think people that go through trauma, I feel like, and they make it out like me and you, we make it out, right? We got parents that, that never loved us like we wanted to be loved. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's not talked about enough, but there's a reason why people really have mental health issues. And for us to be sitting on a platform like this, not saying we didn't battle, not saying we didn't go through depression, not saying we didn't go through identity issues and abandonment. It's just, we're miracles out of that, that environment that we come from. Absolutely. You know? And so when I hear people say, you know, I'm just a product of my environment, 
that's not necessarily true because if you really choose to fight to get out the environment, I really believe you can, because that's what I chose to do. I had nothing else to do. Like, you know, being strong is, um, is it's, to me, it, it's something that comes natural. It's not something that somebody have to teach me my whole life. I had to be strong. Your whole life. You had to be absolutely strong, right. And because we had no choice, that's all we knew was strength. That makes sense. It makes a lot so of sense. I think for people that goes through trauma, such as I, we have no choice but to either be strong or die. I chose to be strong. Hmm. I'm from Bed-Stuy, do or die Bed-Stuy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, but I represent Queens because I went, I moved to Queens when mm-hmm. I was like 12 years old. And um, that was the slogan, do or die, mm-hmm. basically. And, yeah. and that mentality has kind of stuck with me for my yeah. entire life. Like, yeah. do or die, sink or swim. Like, it's either I got to make it work or it got to work, like Neo would say, it. right? Yep. It got to work or it, it got to work. work. There's it. no plan B. That's right. Like, it's it's full steam ahead. And I think that pain has helped, helped me. Mm-hmm. Like, because I never want to go there. I never That's want my right. children to go there. I don't want my lifestyle to be like that. Mm-hmm. So when I think about... Like the work I gotta do, like you even say, yo, Matt, you got an event tomorrow. You got this. You, mm-hmm. did, you just came back. I'm like, yeah, because I gotta keep going. Yeah, like because I can never be what I grew up in, That's and right. I don't want my children to ever experience that. So, I use that pain as fuel. Mm-hmm. And I think most people who come from these type of environments, who had a tough upbringing as a child, um, use that yeah. as like gasoline, so to speak. Yes, and yes. I can tell just when you speak, mm-hmm. like you can hear that passion. Yeah. You know, that pain. Yeah. Like, it's like DMX. So that's why DMX is one of my favorite rappers because you can you like can when, when you yeah. can hear it. Mm-hmm. Like even when he prays. Yes. Like you can hear it. Yes. And it's just like I it, it sends mm-hmm. chills. Like like mm-hmm. even when he was on a webinar and you were speaking, like I literally felt chills down my spine when you were speaking. Mm-hmm. And I said, No, 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 I gotta yeah. come. <laughs> we got we got I got to come to yeah. Atlanta. When are you gonna be here? Because yeah. we gotta get we gotta get an interview because that was incredible. But let's yeah. let's get into some real estate, right? Yeah. Um now that they have an idea of who you are, mm-hmm. real estate investor for eighteen years. You got five hundred plus real estate holdings. Can you mm-hmm. break down this five hundred plus holdings that you have right now? Yeah. So it's a mixture of um single family multifamily, um, developments, um, some commercial, um, and, um, what else? Um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the bulk of it. And so what we do is, you know, um, obviously apartment complexes is a big part of it. Um, mobile home parks are included in that portfolio. Anything that has a key that I can put a tenant in. Anything with a key, basically. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, um, it took time to build that, right? Like I didn't start, I didn't have a number in mind. That makes sense, Matt? Like I didn't have a number. Like I, I wasn't like, oh, I'm about to go get 500 real estate investments, right? I just didn't want to be poor. And I knew I had to do something different. I didn't even know I was creating passive income. I just was like, yo, they going to give me a check every month. Bet. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when I did my first deal, my tax return, $5,000, um, I just knew that, if I put somebody there, they was going to give me some money back, right? And then once I realized, yo, not only can I put somebody there, they can pay a mortgage for me on a property, 
and I can take money out of that property while they paying the mortgage. And then I can go do the exact same thing and get more money. Yeah. And so for me, it became a snowball effect. It was like, how big can I make this? I'm still trying to see how big I can make it. Right. I would love a billion a month. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like just to build it. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like a, um, it's like a hunt, like, yeah. you know, like how many houses or how many kills, right. Yeah. Can I get within a year to add another million to my portfolio or another 200 million or whatever the number is, right? Like it's literally a sport to me to be able to build that big old snowball worth of passive income. It's a sport mm -hmm. to build a snowball of passive income. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See, only goats talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> only goats talk like this. Regular people don't speak like yeah. this, right? So, all right, you're on the hunt. Mm -hmm. You got the 500 real estate um, holdings. Mm -hmm. You're doing everything. You're doing, like you said, Mixed use, you're doing mm -hmm. single families, you're doing pretty much anything. It doesn't matter to yeah. you. It's just men lie, women lie, numbers don't. It's right. all boils down to the numbers. That's right. So when you're analyzing a deal, what are, what are you looking for when you're anal analyzing a real estate investment? So it, it depends on um, the actual investment as a Let, whole. Let's say, let's let's be um, specific because you're okay. right. Let's say if it's a multifamily investment, mm -hmm. what are you looking for? I'm looking... Um, so a lot of people are not going to understand the terms cap rate. So I'm not going to get into formulas, right? Okay. Because I don't want to lose the audience. Okay. I'm going to get into how I un like how. So let's explain what a cap rate is. Right. In layman's terms. Yeah. So a cap rate is actually a, ret a um, return that you would receive on investment, right? It kind of like analyzes the deal for us in the easiest terms. Is that an easy way to, yes. to break it down? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I want to get to C. So whenever I'm looking at multifamily, like the one we just purchased, right, the 60 units, I understand if I'm going to um, put out, let's say, a million dollars and it's bringing in a half a million dollars a year, right? I understand that I just purchased with that million dollars a half a million dollars for the next 20 years, like that's to break it down in the simplest of terms, right? Mm -hmm. So that means if I have 60 doors and it pays, what is it, $49,000 a month or something like that? So let's just say 40, what is it, 40D or 49? 49,000. So 49,000 a month times 12, right? That's about a half a million dollars in income a year. Well, I understand that the, oh man, see, I, I can't get into the, the text because I don't have enough time. I understand that I'm going to make my money back a whole lot faster than I would if um, I was to just go flip a property. That makes sense. So when I'm buying income, I'm buying it in the, the, um, the aspect of what can I make on it annually. So if the $499 is gross and the net of it is $200,000, well, I just bought $200,000 in net income that I can add to my portfolio on a monthly basis. And you take that $200,000 and divide right, it by, by 12, 12 yeah. and then that's what you're making on that actual asset. So you're, you're looking mainly at net, period, point blank. How much am I going to make? And does this deal make sense for me to make this amount? Right. So if it's a let's just say a two million dollar multifamily, if you make in a hundred thousand net, mm -hmm. is it worthy worth it for you? Right. Is that say how you number again? If you're making if let's just say you're buying a two million dollar multifamily, mm -hmm. let's just say you're making a hundred thousand net after all the expenses. It's not worth it. For it's you. not worth it for no. you. Right. Mm -hmm. So what what number are you looking for? Is it like a one percent of the sales price, two percent of the sales price annually after all your expenses that you're looking for? Are you looking for more? Hey, I need to make. 15, 
mm-hmm. uh, cash on cash return. What are you really looking at? Right. So whenever I'm looking, it depends, again, on the actual investment. So when I buy a, a HUD contract, I'm looking at that actual contract from HUD because I know they're going to pay me 20 years. Right. And they're going to pay with a built in inflation. Right. So their contracts have 3% inflation built in. Right. So I'm going to factor that into the numbers um, that I would look at whenever I'm looking at a HUD property. So the one that we just purchased, for instance, right. Like I think our, um, I think our annual rate um, on that deal is what? 23%, 23%. You know what I'm saying? So for me, that's a phenomenal return. That's a huge return. Yeah. that's yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the beautiful thing about that is a lot of the times when you buy a multifamily, you're not going to be receiving a return probably for the first year to t- year, 18 months, depending on stabilization and how, you know, um, it, de- it depends on the condition that the property is in. Right. So if we got to go in and fix it up and, mm-hmm. you know, like tenants. that's right. We got to put um, tenants in, take tenants out. You know, um, there's so many different things that goes into it. But depending on that, it may take 18 months to get your first check. Absolutely. Right. But in this instant, it took us three months, three months to get our first check. You see what I'm saying? Our first dividend check. So what happens is, off the bat, that's a great that's a great deal for us. So I think that you know each deal is you know different. I have one apartment complex we're working on where we've been um, under construction for I think six months now. We have not received a dollar. We probably have about I don't know what four or five hundred thousand dollars into it right now. Anderson about four or five hundred thousand into it right now with acquisition. And we have not received a check. We won't receive a check for another year. Mm. You see what I'm saying? But we still got to put that money out there, right? Absolutely. So what is the expected return on that, right? Somewhere between 12 to 15% annually. It's a good return, right? Still a good return. Yeah. We have to build it up, though. We got to put the tenants in there. You know, um, we have to stabilize it. Right now, we got a, um, a colony that we got to deal with. Okay. You know what that means? No, explain it. That's a... Um, it's like um, a beehive, right? Inside the walls. Okay. And so we got to take off the walls now because we just found all this out, right? Damn. And now we got to call in an expert because you can't kill bees. It's illegal. Yeah. You go to jail. I ain't trying to go to jail, right? (laughs) So we got to call in experts to come in and remove that and then go back in and fix the walls that we just fixed. We only know that they have bees because the contractor hit a wall with a um with a paint machine thing and they just start flying out. At, oh my god. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. An expense you're not even thinking about. Correct. A colony of bees. Yes. <laughs> that yes. wasn't in the it's portfolio. It's definitely not in the portfolio. <laughs> but the cool thing is they'll remove them for free. That's good. Yeah. So um, we have one company that was like, they'll charge us three to 600 bucks to come get it. They're going to make money off of it. So we can't kill them and they're going to make money. So it makes sense for them to come. And like Derek was telling me today, they captured a queen first, put her in a little box and put her over somewhere. And then Mm. all of them swarm in there or whatever. I'm happy I'm not there for that process. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, but whenever I'm looking at any investment, I think for me, like. Um, depending on the class, right? So if I'm investing in class A and class B, the the um, the cap rate is not going to be 8%, right? 
not in this market. It's going to be somewhere around 4 or 5%. And depending on how much debt you may have, it may not be a great investment at that point, right? Um, I typically like to invest in Class C and Class D value adds so I can be able to go in there, fix it up, get the equity I'm looking for, stabilize the unit, take my money out of those units, and then be able to do it again, all while receiving somewhere between 12 to 30% return, depending on the actual investment itself. Yeah, that's the play. Yeah. Right. Um, class A and Class B neighborhoods. I I, I don't <laughs> yeah. want no parts of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That they're already gentrified. Yeah. It's at the, the highest level, mm-hmm. and you're going to buy at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Right. There's not too many value add properties. Yeah. Um, or deals. Yeah. Period. In those type of areas, but yeah. the C and D is really what to play because yeah. those are the ones that's behind. That's right. And that's and those your mom and pop companies too. Absolutely. Right. That's where the, that's what to me the sweetness is. You know, you're able to get those for pennies on a dollar versus class A and class B. And what is class A, class B, right? Class A is the newer construction, um, all of the luxury amenities. Absolutely. You probably Pools, got a swimming pool, everything. Yeah, you got granite, yeah, all yeah. that type of stuff, right? Um with class C. <laughs> class C. You got you got fall on your windows. You got broken glass. You, you got, know you, you might got, get beat up. You, hell, know? you got the freaking yeah. the old school. Um, what they call it? The air conditions yeah, and the windows and uh, everything like yeah, that. I uh-huh. love that. You got the, look. Their QuickBooks is in their notebook. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like that's the kind of deals I like. You know what I'm saying? So you own. So when you're buying your multifamilies, it's really value add. You're mm-hmm. looking to force your appreciation, mm-hmm. basically a burst strategy. That's right. So you're buying commercial properties mm-hmm. all day long. Yes. Yes. And I love forced appreciation, man. I'm So I'm not trying to get into too many of those terms, but like yeah. if that's, if the audience is sweet and they know all that, we can talk big. Talk your talk. No, no, no. Talk your talk. They're going to have to catch up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, with forced appreciation, right, that's the beautiful thing with these value adds which is why I love it is because you literally can go in with, you know, a, um, a, a, not a significant amount of money, but just, you know, a good bid and be able to increase the values of a property. So let's just say, you know, um, you start, um, let's say you add in parking. Okay. And you charge for parking, right? And you charge $10 per parking spot per month, right? Well, $10 a month times, let's just say 20 units, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? That's, that's money that is now being um, equated into value of the property, which is now forcing that appreciation in that property to go up because we just built that income within that property that wasn't there. So if I take some storage sheds and I build them on the back of the property and now I rent each one of those storage sheds out, well, guess what happens? I just created forced appreciation because I just increased my rent roll from, let's just say, 100000 to now 120000 Yep. You see what I'm saying? So let's break this down real quick, just so the audience has some sort of clue what we're speaking about. Mm -hmm. When we're talking residential, it's more of comps, Mm -hmm. right? Comparable sales. Mm -hmm. What's sold in the neighborhood, the area, like-kinded properties Mm -hmm. within a mile, two-mile radius, Mm -hmm. right? Guys, when we're talking uh, commercial, it's an income approach. That's right. And this is what Terika is explaining to y'all. Right. When you add income to the property, you're adding value. Yes. AKA money in your pocket. That's right. Right. So it's very important when you're looking at commercial deals, you have the expertise or you have a team that has the expertise to help mm-hmm. and guide you to know where the opportunities for you can add income, laundry, mm-hmm. maybe it's vending, mm-hmm. maybe, like you said, parking. Yeah. Storage, storage. Yeah. 
you know, whatever it is that you can add to a commercial building to increase the income will ultimately increase the equity, Mm -hmm. which now when it's time for you to refinance and complete your borough, you'll now be able to pull out whatever your initial capital was to acquire the property and probably a little something extra. So now you can go rinse and repeat and it's all tax free. That's right. Correct. Yes, that's correct. Yes. It's only realized whenever you sell it. Mm, Say that again. (laughs) It's only realized whenever you sell it. Exactly. I love this conversation so far. So, all right. So, you burn commercial properties. Not too many people even know you can do a burn on a commercial mm-hmm. property. Um, and you're also developing, building new construction properties mm-hmm. as well. Now, you're doing mostly single families with the new construction, or are you doing multifamilies with your new construction? We're doing mixed-use. Mixed-use so, properties. Yeah, Explain so, what a mixed-use property is. Great question. So, well... Thank you. Uh, (laughs) So what a mixed use, right? So that means in one particular development, you have different uses, right? And so whenever we're looking at a property, we're going to say, what is the highest and best use for our actual real estate investment? So in this particular case, we noticed that there was a need for senior living. We noticed that there was a need for new home ownership. And we noticed that there was a need for um, a grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. And so we was like, What if we build out this commercial part in the front, create a grocery store for our community that we're building in the back? And how about with the new home buyers, right? The millennials and all of those different folks, they look out for the seniors that's going to be in the senior complex. And now it's a community that's working together. I've always wanted to develop a smart growth community. And um, pretty much that means, you know, you work, sleep, eat and play, right? Smart growth. And so um, I've always wanted to be able to create something like that where everything was within walking distance you really don't need to leave your house for much because you know and are getting a car right you able to literally commute and get whatever you need um and be able to go from there so whenever we're um the development we're working on right now is we're gonna be able to put some type of grocery store in this area that don't have one and then we're building the senior complex which is a 50 unit senior um apartment complex um, upscale as well, right? That accepts Medicaid. So we're going to do a contract with Medicaid mm. um, to be able to fill our units. And then from there, um, we have all of, which is phase one, we're almost complete with, which is all the single family residents that um, we're building, where we're building homes in buyer's price ranges that are never done before. Let me ask you a question. And you, Lynn, you the money man, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know a builder that accommodates the income bracket, brand new construction of $50,000 or less? No. That's what we do. So I focus on the 80, right? I let the rest of the world do the 20. The rest of the world going to always take care of the 20%. I'm going to focus on the 80. So every home we build, it can't stay on the ground because we have no competition in our lane. So the homes I'm building are between one hundred and sixty to one hundred and eighty thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars max. So the people that work at the hospitals and the cafeterias, they're able to afford a home. Right. Um, I'm not going to say school teachers because they can fit in the other the other categories. I'm talking about the people that work at McDonald's and been there for 10 years and they're great managers, but they don't make enough income over there. Now they can afford a brand new home. I'm focused on the majority of the people that um. I realize come from where I come from that probably never have a chance at home ownership because they believe it's too far out of their reach. Affordable housing. 
it's so I don't like the word affordable so much because it usually looks at it with subsidized and we're not taking government money to be able to build this. It's taken a whole lot of grit from me, a whole lot of patience, a whole lot of cursing out and re and rebuking and repenting and asking God for forgiveness to be able to get these numbers where we need to be. We beat these numbers um, so they can't be beat no more to be able to give them a good quality product. And these are not no cookie cutter houses. They have garages, three bedroom, two baths, four bedroom with an office. How big are this pro um, these properties? They're houses? anywhere from um, 1,200 to about 1,400 square feet. Good size house. Great size house. Yeah. And this is the thing. Once you get that taste of home ownership, I just need you to get the taste. Once you get the taste, guess what happens? Now you can sell that and go get something bigger. Yeah. But... Most people won't even start there because they think they got to be, you know, what a 20% is. And that's not true. So this community will not have, um, I'm not going to say affordable, cheaper homes. Mm -hmm. What right? I called it, I came up with a word, um, economy friendly. Economy friendly homes. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have economy friendly homes. Yeah. And also you're building a grocery store in this community mm -hmm. and also a, a senior. senior home. Mm -hmm. How big is this land? Um, 15 acres. This is a 15 acre plot of land. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have so much more room to do a lot more in there. It's over 200 doors going to be back there. So it's going to be 200 single families. Uh, uh, no. So 68 single family. Uh -huh. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. 21 single families. I believe it is 68, um, townhomes, 50, um, a 50 unit senior complex. And then we got the um, partial of land where we're going to build out a 10,000 square foot retail spot where we're going to have the grocery stores to anchor. And then we're going to have a bookstore because I want, you know, um, knowledge to be brought into the community and some, and the grocery store is actually going to be a health, um, a health, like a whole foods or something like that, that mm -hmm. we're looking to bring. Um, so we can, you know, tackle the, you know, diabetes and different things like that in our community that people deal with. Are you going to own the senior facility as well and mm -hmm. run that business mm -hmm. as well? That's a whole nother play right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm now learning about <laughs> the senior homes. Yeah, and it's per bed. Yeah, per bed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they pay like five, $6,000 per bed. Per month. Per month. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning that Life game. Life is good. Yeah. <laughs> like <the squad. laughs> yeah, I hope y'all really understand what she just said right there. $5,000 per bed, mm -hmm. and you're going to have probably 100 beds in there. <laughs> Two beds per room. Two, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two, like 100 beds, mm -hmm. 5000 per. You're going to run the business. So you're going to own the building, own the land, own the business, mm -hmm. and then now be able to give you know, um, leases to corporations for the retail spaces. Yep. The Whole Foods, the groceries, they're going to do 50-year leases, 100-year mm -hmm. leases. We already got the people there. They just need to see the people. Absolutely. That's a gem. Now, I don't even know, like, that's incredible. How many of these projects do you have going on like this community? So right now we have this one. Um, we... We were working on another one, but right now, for now, we have this one underway. This is the big boy. Like, this the big one. So this, this is, is the pillar. This is, this is your flagship right here. This, Yeah, so this is um, this is the catalyst, right, that mm -hmm. the White House is using to say, you know, 
they were a part of this. Everybody and whoever I want, I guess, want to be a part of it can actually put a flag here and say this was the catalyst. This was the first of its kind to be able to do this in an opportunity zone. And, you know, um, and we believe we can pick this this complete operation up and take it to other states. This is the thing. When we first did this and this story went viral all over the world, mm -hmm. I had um, I had Texas calling me. I had different cities in um, Louisiana calling me. I had people in Atlanta calling me, wanting to give me their land to be able to come and do exactly what we're doing right now in Lafayette, Louisiana. How did the White House get involved with this? Great question. So um, my partner, his wife works for um, a company called APC, Acadiana Planning Commission, and they are very heavy into the revitalization. They're a municipality. No, they're not a municipality. They're an organization. But they are heavy into the revitalization of the north side of um, this particular um, city. And because they witnessed us fight for this land for over a year and a half, right, um, that sat dormant for more than 10 years. Nobody did nothing with it. I mean, it was filled with this. It was disgusting, right? Mm -hmm. Once they watched that we actually bought it, then it was like, let us elevate this. Let us highlight this. Let us showcase this, right? And so um, they um, sent out, um, Scott Turner at the time was leading this initiative up under Dr. Ben Carson, and they said, we want this project to come and be recognized at the White House. And so- we ended up at the White House. Incredible. Mm -hmm. And then it went viral. It, it, yes. It was viral before the White House. That's incredible. Yeah. Black Enterprise. Everybody picked it up. It was a crazy story. All right. I know people going to watch this and say, <laughs> well, she's been doing this for 18 years. She got all this money. This, that, and the third. Yeah. Right. Can you give us some actionable steps for maybe... I'm not going to say the, the first time investor, but maybe for the investor who may have a couple doors right now, mm -hmm. a couple properties, like how, what steps would you give them to scale their business to, you know, kind of be like you collaborate. Okay. Right. Um, that's the first thing I would say is collaboration. Um, I think I was talking about this earlier that, you know, in school, in elementary, we're taught that, you know, you're cheating when you trying to work with somebody to get answers and figure out, you know, how to get to the same, you know, to the same problem, like the answer to the same problem. Well, as an adult, it's called collaboration, but because we're so programmed to figure it out on our own and, eventually end up failing the test because we can't figure it out. There's somebody, there's a counterpart somewhere that can help you get to, you know, the um, actual um, answer a whole lot faster than you can by yourself. So for instance, I'm an experienced developer. You may be a new person that's interested in developing. Why, why sit by yourself and try to, you know, get all of these haircuts, these bumps and these bruises, right? Trying to figure out development um, versus partnering with someone who already have the experience and expertise you learn along the way. But in exchange, that's why you offer a partnership because you may have some land, right? I have the experience. Well, we partner together. I use my experience. You use your land. We be able to grow it and we go from there. Now you have uh -huh. the, now you have the education behind it. Right. Um, so I think what's important is that we have to understand that collaboration is important on every aspect. You can look at Donald Trump portfolio. You can look at 
um, Queen Elizabeth portfolio. Like all of these people have counterparts that are associated with it. None of these people are building this massive amount of wealth by themselves. I wasn't either. I was able to do one by myself. Then I was able to do two or three by myself. I couldn't do 500 by myself. Yeah. I needed collaboration. I need partnerships and I needed OPM to be other people's money to be able to help me get, you know, to where I'm going and to reach a billion. I surely can't do it by myself. Collaboration is greater than competition That's at right. the end of the day. So if someone's looking to raise capital, use mm -hmm. OPM, because there's a lot of people out here that are scamming. That's right. Right. And let's just say for people who are looking possibly to invest mm -hmm. into some sort of crowdfund, JV, mm -hmm. syndication, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, what should our audience look out for? Like how should they vet mm -hmm. uh, a developer like yourself who's looking to raise capital to make sure that they're making mm -hmm. a legitimate you know, investment mm -hmm. into a, a viable fund or mm -hmm. syndication or whatever the case may be? Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. So I'll say it a few ways. Number one, ask for receipts from the person that's raising the funds, right? Like if they can't provide you with 10 cash sales and they trying to raise all this money, I'm going to question them, right? So if they don't have no cash sales and if they get offended about you asking for cash sales, that may be one way, right? I like to see um, your name, you know, on um, some paperwork at the courthouse, um, mm -hmm. another thing is ask them for their PPM, right? Whenever you're doing these funds, you want to make a PPM, um, a private placement memorandum. That's how I said that. Memorandum? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure in there it's disclosing all the ways that you can lose money. That's pretty much what this booklet is, right? You know how expensive it is to do that. It costs us what? 20, $20,000 for w one property, one PPM. You know what I'm saying? So um, that within itself, another way you can um, protect yourself is ask them, are they investing in it? Or are they just GPs? Are you a GP and an LP? What's the, what's the GP and the LP? A GP is a general partner. Mm -hmm. A LP is a limited partner. Okay. So if they just, if they taking a GP side and they're just raising money, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that because there's some really great syndicators out there. What I'm saying is for me, I put my money in everything that I bring before anybody. So that way, if we get a haircut, we're all getting the same haircut together. And whenever they say, oh, I lost money, I can say I lost money, too. Yeah, You get what I'm saying? And so then there's no there's no, oh, she scammed me or she did this. Mm -hmm. GP versus LP. Yes. What's the LP and, what, and like what's really the difference between the yeah. GP and the LP? Great question. So a GP is um, that's going to be the company that's going to put together all the whole entire deal. Right. So they're going to deal with the legal aspects of mm -hmm. the taxes, the bookkeeping. They're going to raise the money. They're going to find the actual um, investment itself and bring it to the investors, which in in essence become the LP, the limited partners, right? And from there, they're going to make sure that the deal is successful. They have a very important role, right? So that's the GP side. They go to the bank, they get the finance, they take they take on the risk with the asset. They you know they deal with it all, right? The LPs, the limited partners, they just put their money in and say, okay, I trust you, GP, to go and make me some money. That's pretty much all it is in the simplest of terms. Great breakdown. Yeah. Great breakdown. I wanted to make sure that the people really understand that because yes. you're throwing out the terms. That's right. Although I know it is. Yeah, right. But we got to make sure that they understand. All right. We're running on time. Mm -hmm. You got to go catch a flight. Yes. And we can't. We're in Atlanta. So traffic's crazy. So yes. I have so many more questions. So we have to do mm -hmm. a part two to this. Yes. We right. Do. When you come to New York, we might have to do a part two because okay. I, I got tons of questions. But yes. last but not least, leave us with some 
whatever you want to your last gym, whatever you want <laughs> to say. Yeah, I know. And I want to hear you say it. Drop your last gym for our people. Stop being rich folks assets. Mm. Go ahead, girl. Right. Talk your talk. Yeah, like stop being rich folk assets. And what that means is the liabilities that we're purchasing, right? All of these things we're buying that's not bringing any value, that's not increasing our portfolios, that's not increasing our, our legacy. It's an asset to the rich. What does that mean? Every time we buy a pair of Jordan, shout out to Jordan. I love Jordan, but it's a liability to us and an asset to him. You see what I'm saying? Anytime we buy a Hershey candy bar, it's a liability to us because it's taking money out of our pocket and we're putting money into somebody else's pocket. So focus on things that's going to put money in your pocket and not take money out of your pocket. So stop being rich people assets because rich people assets is poor people liabilities, period. <laughs> what else could I say to that? <laughs> period. period. All right. One last thing. Mm -hmm. You got to say baby for us. What you mean? You, I don't know. What, I, you gotta I say. Said. You gotta say, baby, baby. You gotta but, say because you. But know. I don't know how I said. I just be like, baby. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Yo, I love yeah. <laughs> my Louisiana people say, yeah. baby. I don't know why. Yeah, it's just something about the way y'all say, baby. Why? How you say it, baby? But that's how I said. No, you didn't. I said, baby. All right, so you say, hey, baby, and then let me hear you say it. Hey, baby. All right. Say the same thing. No, it's not saying. Say hey, baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> same thing, right? It's completely different. All right. We'll let them go. <laughs> what yeah. do you think? Yeah. You say hey, baby in the comments. <laughs> yeah. You, right. Thank you. Tell them how to find you. Um, You can follow me on all platforms, Terrica Lynn Smith, and or you can catch me at Female Real Estate Guru on Instagram and hopefully a YouTube channel where it's like Terrica Lynn Smith as well. I'm going to go post some stuff on now. You need I just to. found out I got a channel. Yes. I'm excited. You need to. That was going to the TV station or something. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Terrica Lynn Smith. Drop some gems in the comment. Make sure you follow her. Subscribe to her channel. Yeah. Uh, you got a challenge coming up too. You want to talk yes, about that real quick? Yes, 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 yes. So um, I have a real estate challenge called the property challenge.com. Um, and it's um, five days. You're going to be on a date with me and we're going to be deep diving into all of um, the real estate we possibly can within those five days. So we're going to be talking fix and flips, burr method. Um, we're going to be talking multifamily. We're going to be talking um, buy and holds. We're going to be talking all type of real estate. And so um, if you are a new investor and are a seasoned investor, you're going to want to pull up. The five days is going to be epic. What's the website again? www.thepropertychallenge.com. Make sure you go to that website. She is MG verified. She don't need a blue check from Thank Instagram. You. She got a blue check from <laughs> MG. That's all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So look, uh, we're alive. We're blessed. We're going to have a part two to this coming soon. But make sure you tap in with my girl, Tarika. We love you guys. Uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, and go to Apple, download on all audio podcast outlets. All right. Matt Garland, NMLS number 58700, better known as MG, the mortgage guy. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.